Teachers are leaders. And we're here to emphasize the good in education, one practice, method, idea, or trend at a time. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Teachers Are Leaders podcast brought to you by the Warren Instructional Network, and I'm your host, Andrea Coachman. Okay, we are back for another episode, and today I am here with Amy Hall. Amy, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I am super excited to be here. I've just started listening to the podcast and just finished Gretchen Barnaby's um, podcast with you today, and it was fantastic, and I, I got several things to put in my pocket that I'm going to put into action. So I, I love, love that I get to be a guest. Yes, I love it. Well, so for everybody, just a little bit about you and where you are and what you're doing. So Amy, currently you are serving as the ELA curriculum coordinator for elementary, as well as <laughs> the district state testing coordinator for Weatherford ISD. So you are one of those who gets to wear a lot of hats in your current role. That's right. We, I think in education, everyone wears a couple of hats, right? We just, we have a motto in our office, whatever it takes. Oh, so we all just jump in and do the work and yes. whatever it takes, we get it done. I love it. And that does not surprise me about you guys. I'm sure there are things that get done because you will them into action. That's right. But, and you have been not in your current role for two decades, but in education for 22, maybe 23 years. That's yes, you lose track after a while. Oh, it's 22 yes. or 23, somewhere the, around there. It's all good. A lot of time changing the lives of students and teachers, which is what is phenomenal about it. But what I didn't know was that education is your second career. Yes, it, it wow. is. Oh, I so um, dabbled in the sales world. I did. I dabbled in that sales world. And it's funny. Um, I found myself being happiest when I was training new cell staff, which I was teaching, let's face it, or yes. doing a book study with new cell staff, which hello. And, <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, my grandfather, he was an educator. His mother was an educator and um, it was in my blood. And I always tell the story when he passed away, his students who were in their sixties stood up and just talked about the impact that he had on on their lives and so it really made me kind of take a moment sometimes it takes something like that in your life oh, yeah. to stop and just kind of analyze where am I is this the direction I want to go and I I wasn't going in the direction I wanted to go and in my heart I knew I was supposed to be in education so it was like one of those turning points in my life so I went back to school and a year later I was in a second grade classroom in Grand Prairie Texas teaching wow Wow. And haven't looked back. Obviously, that was I, it has been the path. best decision. I mean, we've had some bumpy roads in education and mm -hmm. we'll continue to have those, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Best oh. decision ever made. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Gosh, that is so crazy and so cool. Um, okay. Well, so even you've been teaching, I feel like your whole life, like you said, even before then into the classroom and now teaching teachers. But so thinking through all of that experience then, can you pinpoint something that just sticks with you that has become kind of a favorite memory? Something you, I don't know, you know, tell a story about or mention or it just stays close to your heart. Mm. Well, I think 
you know, when I started out teaching, obviously, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I think if, oh, yeah. if new teachers out there listening, it's okay. Yeah. I just am here to tell you, it's okay. You feel like you just, I would run to my mentor's classroom and like see an anchor chart see, she made, or I'd ask to go watch her in action. I'm like, oh, that's how that was supposed to go. <laughs> oh, that's how that lesson was, you know, supposed to be done. Great. And I would go back and redo it. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was always behind that first year, but I was learning, right? <clears throat> And we did workshop model um, right off the bat. So I've known nothing but that beautiful workshop model. Um, in fact, one of my very first memories is I started with this team of teachers and one of the teachers said, do you have a credit card? And I said, what are you talking about? And she, I said, yes, young, single, right? Teacher, yeah. didn't have a lot of money. And she <laughs> said, you're going to need these professional books. You're going to need the Art of Teaching Reading by Lucy Calkins. She like listed out all these books. And I'm, I thought I'm going to college again. Like, yes. are we getting our master's? And she ordered from Q, I don't know who, where she ordered from, but like a list of books that I was supposed to have. Um, and then she said, the next thing you need to do is go to teacher's college. And you need to, and it was just like, I could see the dollar signs. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was surrounded by these educators who were so passionate Mm-hmm. And I remember being a sub because I subbed for a year while I was trying to make this transition from the marketing sales world to teaching. And I remember subbing in classrooms that were doing workshop model and were doing this work that they, they later would become my mentors. The kids acted and talked differently. Mm-hmm. The classroom setup was, just, it just had a different feel. And I said, I don't know what this is, but yeah. that's what I want. And so I guess um, adding on to that is, when I finally got in my classroom and I think it was year two and I had a rough, tough group of boys that, you know, I'm thinking we've decorated our writer's notebooks oh, like yeah. Gretchen talked about in your last podcast. And we're, I've got the music playing low and I've got the right lighting and I've set the mood for some great writing workshop. And I've done my first lesson and these boys are just rolling their eyes and they're not yeah. having it, but we go out to our spots and we come back to share. And I guess, this is a great memory. Uh, one of my friends said, that wasn't half bad. And yeah. I took that as the compliment of my life. Absolutely. <laughs> like every day in writing workshop, he literally grabbed his notebook, he grabbed his pencil and he went to his spot and he wrote. And I thought if I can capture him, I can capture anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that funny memory. Cool. Like I'm like, oh, they're going to eat my lunch for this. But they loved it, you know, as it wasn't half bad. That was the best compliment he could have given me. Yes. Well, I feel like that's one of the, but that was his best compliment, right? He couldn't, he couldn't lose that cred. Like I can't sit here Don't and say lose he the cred, No, yeah. but it wasn't half bad. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I'll, I'll take that. Yes. Well, I feel like, you know, when you're, when we think about those memories that stick with you and the ones that stay it, I, I feel like they, it's always something to do with with that light bulb, right? With being able to turn that switch on and kind of fuel that passion, right? Like we come into the classroom because we have that passion for whatever it is. So then when you can give it back to a student in some shape, form or fashion, like you feel like you did your job, right? Like I'm, I am pushing them forward better than I got them or whatever. But I, I feel like something you touched on. I mean, like that boy in that classroom, why was it? Like, what was it 
that let him, you know, like it that like that he enjoyed writing in your class, maybe versus writing before. And I think, I mean, I think, and I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I feel like, and in thinking through a workshop classroom, it's about that, your effort to engage them in that work to like, I'm going to give you, we are writing, that's a non-negotiable, but I'm going to give you choice in what you write about and maybe where you write and, you know, what and whatever it is, but your work on the front end to create that engagement is what moves them forward. Now that's, I'm making that assumption, but like you tell me. That's why I love workshop model because I'm calling them readers and writers. They feel important. They feel part of the conversation and part of the work. It's not something being done to them. They're part of the decisions and choices. They have a voice. Um, And I think it just lends itself to you. Through workshop, you build relationships with students. We always talk about the beginning of the year. We need to be building relationships. Well, when you're doing workshop, you're getting to know them because writing is intimate and writing is personal. And so you're writing about things and places and people that are important to you. And I'm sharing those things through my writer's notebook and about me. So they're getting to know me. So you have to have that environment and that those relationships built for it to work. But workshop just kind of naturally lends itself to all those things. And I think, you know, students having that voice and choice and having their own notebook and having choices of what to write with and where, like you said, where to write, all of those things empower students. And then, you know, in workshop, what do we do when kids are writing? Well, we're walking around the room, conferencing with kids and in small groups. So we're meeting them where they are. If they're having a hiccup and they don't know what, how to even get started, we can help them with brainstorming. If they're stuck on how to end their piece or how to begin it, we can work on leads or endings. I just think it's a beautiful structure to support all. Yeah. In a world where we're talking about you know, star 2.0, you know, I wear that testing hat. We're thinking about where do we get the kids to approach us and how do we get kids to meet to masters? Well, if you don't have a workshop model, I don't know how you're meeting the needs of all students because otherwise it's a one size gets all approach. Right. You're hoping that you have all of your kids at the same place. Right. You can move them all forward at the same time. Right. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, you know, you guys in Weatherford, so one, you're one of the, one of those teachers who was, I feel like, because I was the same fortunate to learn workshop first. So like, yes, that's all, all I know, all I did. So then you, that's what comes with you. And I know you guys in Weatherford, that's how you guys are living is let's live in this workshop model. But so what are you guys doing to create that engagement? What does that look like in, in your classrooms? You know, I, I think really what we've been taking a look at lately is we purchased the new reading strategies book uh, the 2.0 we had the other one we have the writing we purchased the 2.0 because anything by Jen Sarafalo we're gonna just like jump on and explore yes and I think when we got the book actually last summer I think even before we knew it was coming out we were we were having that conversation of how do we meet all kids needs like do we confer? Do we do small groups? Do we do this? Do we do that? And um, a lot of conversation we've been having lately is not only how do we intervene for the kids that aren't meeting the standard at grade level, but how do we meet the needs of our, our higher kids, our kids that maybe have it, but need to go to the next level. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I was working with a campus. I'll tell a little story. 
-hmm. And they said, we are looking at doing some book clubs. We want you to come out and do book clubs and talk about how to implement those. And I said, that's great, but bring your data before we start. And they said, data. And I said, yeah, we're going to look at data. And so basically I had them bring their BAS running records Mm -hmm. um, before we put kids in book clubs and talked about even how to do book clubs. And I had them, Teachers College has a fluency rubric. Fountain Spinell has a great one as well. The one from TCRWP has one that almost looks like star scoring. It's like did not meet approaches meets, you know, master's level. And what I did is I had the teachers put all their kids fluency rates on that spreadsheet. And what they found was that they had a lot of kids that were reading above level at that highest instructional level, but they weren't meeting that fluency um, mark, so to speak, for the level in which they were reading. And that got us looking, it's kind of like, and this happened, and then this happened. And that got us looking at the hierarchy that's at the very front of the reading strategies book. And it kind of says, you know, the hierarchy kind of goes like, first emergent reading, right? We have to teach kids mm-hmm. the concepts of print and teach them how to read and, um, and just what is reading, like that emergent reading level. But then after that, it's engagement. And then after that, it's that um, accuracy. So decoding, phonological awareness, phonics, all that, right? Then it goes into fluency and then comprehension and comprehension breaks mm-hmm. down into all these beautiful bands. But I think what we found ourselves doing is jumping automatically to comprehension for everything. A struggling student. We weren't really using this hierarchy to pinpoint and set intentional goals with kids. So as I've talked to teachers and instructional coaches and principals and ADs and all of our stakeholders, we really realized we need to ensure that we're forming those small groups and those conferences really intentionally with data driving that. But I think the hierarchy is really at the center of all of it because we can take that data and it's not to say in that story I told that those kids can't be in a book club but certainly some of the data showed that some of those students would benefit from a small group with fluency and I know that I can turn to chapter four in the strategies book and the way it's set up now and I can kind of find out some trends with my kids from the data Mm -hmm. and I can see exactly some lessons that would help them to work on that fluency muscle, so to speak. Yes. Um, And from there, I will tell you, um, from that story, we've we've been really intentional about our professional development. Mm -hmm. We've made a little switch instead of a a one size fits all, if you will, where we meet coaches, myself meet with grade level teams and we have a focus. We might bring in a consultant and they're with one grade level. Well, this past year, kicking off the school year, we did something like a mini conference and we had teachers leading sessions and we had, I was leading sessions, our coaches were leading sessions, math, science, all disciplines. And we did a lot of crossover. We had GT teachers come in and and teach. We want to eventually have dyslexic therapists come in. How do you um, support dyslexic students in your classroom? We really are seeing this as a big thing, but we decided you know, I think we're more along on the same page, but how do we support a big group of new teachers in the district? Mm-hmm. How do we support our master teachers? And then how do we support everyone in the middle? And so by having like almost a mini conference, if you will, where, you know, teachers, you are leaders, you are professionals. Um, we know this about you. So we are going to have you decide what it is, what sessions you want to go to. And I will tell you, 
it was a big success. We're oh, looking sure. at the data now and um, they loved it. it. It was a powerful day of learning. And here was the great thing about that. If I had a message, which I did, we were rolling out the comprehension toolkit this year. Um, we've had it, but we're really using it more, intentional, more intentionally. And so I needed to see, I needed FaceTime with my third, fourth, and fifth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. So we just had a session for that. And we just marked, we're the, we're the ruse, we're the kangaroos. And so we marked a little ruse uh, by sessions that were mandatory. Mm. And so you could kind of plan out your day, but then you would look to see, are there any for my grade level or my content area that needs to be um, directed? And then we'll use feedback from teachers to plan a few more that way throughout the year so that teachers are kind of, we're meeting them where they are. And one of the big things our team will be focused on is how do we intentionally plan for small groups? And mm -hmm. I'll be using the hierarchy and the reading strategies book to really guide that work. Oh my gosh. I love all of that. But I especially <laughs> like in my mind, I mean, as you're talking about this mini conference and what you're trying to do and that intentionality around the PD, you're creating the learning for your teachers, just like we want them to create the learning for their students. Like you're meeting them where they are. You're not telling master teachers that they need to attend new teacher training. And you're not telling those, you know, new teachers that they're expected to know as much as everybody else does. So like, what a great way to model what it, like what those expectations are and then transfer them into the classroom. I love that. Absolutely. And, you know, I found what was beautiful about it um, I had new teachers come to me and say, what would you recommend? Yeah. Can you help me plan out my day? Because some people aren't sure what they need if they're new and For they sure. have everything. So that was wonderful because I can make some recommendations. And then we could go to our master teachers who are doing the work who, I'm just going to tell you, there is no better PD than going into a classroom and watching it happen and the oh, magic yeah. that happens there. Like there, I could read things in a book, but seeing it in action. So when people come to me and say, you know, what book should I read or what PD before you do any of that, go watch this teacher and go across town. I'll cover your classroom or we'll get someone yeah. to cover your classroom, but go watch this in action. And so really getting our teachers out of the classroom on those days and into rooms, talking about what they're doing and how they've been successful. Teachers learning from teachers. Listen, but I learned something. Every time I'm with one yes. of our amazing teachers because they have, they're in the trenches, they're doing the work mm -hmm. um, and they know what it's like to implement all the things that we're trying to implement in curriculum. They're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And so they can make it real for teachers. So I, I definitely want to see more teachers leading sessions um, because I just think there's power. In yes. That. No, I totally agree. I always, I always said like as a coordinator, you know, I was so fortunate to see, to be in the classrooms of all the teachers. And I was like, this is, I don't need to be the one doing this. Like they, we, the teachers need to be in here because the more you see, the more you pick up. And it, you know, it doesn't even like, even in middle school and high school, it doesn't matter if you're in necessarily, you know, your content area, like go see another teacher who's teaching the same kids that you are, but it is such a powerful way to improve that your craft. Absolutely. I love that. That is awesome. Eek. I want to come learn with you guys. Okay, come on. I'll invite you to the next one. Yes, I love I'll it. ask you to do a session. Okay. Hey, you know, I'm down. I feel like that's that's my way to still feel like I'm teaching. Seriously, we'll do a session and then we'll go watch some sessions. Okay. I and mean, learn. Yes, I love okay. it. 
<laughs> the other thing I picked up on when we were talking, and I kind of drew a circle, but I don't know if a circle would be the symbol that I would like, but with your teachers, like kind of creating a cycle of, hey, let's look at our data. And then what, what does that tell us? What resource do we have that can help us once we pinpointed it? What resource do we have? And then how do you, you know, you apply it with the, with your students, you know, whatever you identified, and then you do it again. But so I feel like you guys are creating the opportunity for teachers, not just to say, okay, cool. I identified where my kids need help, but here's the resource to help you do it. And I think that's a huge part to help teachers feel successful when they're trying to get kids to feel successful. You know, that's exactly it. We don't want teachers to have to go look for resources. We want them to have everything at their fingertips, but you can buy all the wonderful resources if, if you don't train on how to use them and right. how to look at the data to inform those decisions, then it can get pretty tricky. And I think the thing that our um, administrative team does really just well is think big picture. And so this year, our focus as a team is really thinking about all of those stakeholders, the principals, the APs, the interventionists, the coaches, the teachers, yeah. and how do we get the same message to everyone? And how do we help support PLCs on campuses? And when we get a cycle, you know, a batch of data, um, beginning of the year data comes in, what do we do with that data? So I think you know, our elementary principals are learners. The one thing I'll hear teachers say a lot about our principals on that mini conference PD day, I heard a lot of teachers say the principals were in the rooms with us. That's right. Because our principals are learners. And, and I think that's powerful for teachers to see. So they're powerful. learning right beside the teachers um, and, and ensuring we're all on the same page. But I also think what we do well is this year, we're going to have time. Our curriculum content people will be have time each month in front of those different groups so that if oh, I'm wow. talking to principals about um, engagement and how it's so important to start the year with engagement, that's kind of like at the top of the hierarchy, if you will, with Saravalo's book. It's like if kids aren't engaged, it really doesn't matter what else they need because we've got yeah. to get them hooked um, and love reading and writing. But let's say that's my topic, then mm -hmm. I'm going to share with principals. I'm going to share with APs. I'm going to share and they have that in their minds. Um, coaches have that in their minds. So when they're doing walks and they're in PLCs and they're working with teachers, imagine the power of them all kind of, that's their focus. It's narrowed our focus. And then next month it might be, let's take a practice. We do interactive read aloud. Yeah. And, you know, let's, what are, what do we want to see there? We want to see higher level questions. We want to kids have, we want kids to have opportunities to write and talk about what they're reading. Um, what does that look like? What does that sound like? And how do we support teachers in planning for that? What resources do we use? Like you were saying, yeah. but when we all have that same message on a monthly basis, yeah. um, can you imagine the power um, and how that will affect student achievement? Ugh, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like it makes it easy. You know, it's like when we all are working toward the same goal or like, this is our mission. Like, here's how we get there. It makes it very clear the steps that need to be taken, you know, the action that needs to happen to get us from the beginning to the end. I think that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Our, our superintendent this year, um, his, his whole um, message, I'll narrow it down to getting 1% better every day. Right. And it's from the book, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. um, and by, I, let's see, James Clear, I believe is the author. And so 
um, we're all getting it. Leadership team, we're going to read it. But I just think that idea of what's a small like change. And yeah. that was one of the things the team came up with is like, what if we had this monthly focus? Yeah. Um, yeah. We were meeting with our assistant soup and just kind of, of academics and talking about, and it was kind of that team, like, what if we did this and we're more intentional? We're, we're going to get more than 1% better each day. Yeah. And so it's just those tiny little habits that you can, you know, do small changes that kind of make yeah. a powerful impact, if you will. Yes. Yes. If well, you stay consistent. Yeah. Well, yeah. That all inconsistent. That consistent. Uh-huh. There, there, yeah. <laughs> Got to keep it consistent. And then, you, and yes. then I think we'll see big improvements. Oh yeah. Well, because it's like, it's like mini lessons, right? I'm going to teach. 10 mini lessons, but it's going to build to a big thing. Like they all build upon each other and grow. And you've taught all of these little skills and strategies, but then at the end you get this big thing. And like, I mean, that's the idea that we break it down, focus very like, you know, pinpoint, very pin, and then build on it and grow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That model. I mean, I can't wait to hear how it ends up at the end of the year. I'm excited. I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see it in the results. I, I really do. You know, if we can all stay focused on the same things and just focus on kids and engagement and, and our teachers and making sure they feel supported and okay. they have everything they need, that's a recipe for success. Yes. And then that is what is going to give you guys everything, <clears throat> but also you'll get to see it in the things that we are held accountable for, even though we don't always like them. like the Right. Stuff. Even though that we don't want to talk about that thing, so. that thing is looming and it's, it's part of it, right? It's part of our world. So, yeah. but I think you're right. It, you know, it makes me think of, um, I'm going to mess it up, but what is it? Uh, Maslow's hierarchy. Like if you don't, if you don't make sure students feel safe, like then they can't do anything else. I feel like it's the same thing. If I can't, create an engaging classroom where my students want to read and write, then I'm never going to get them to a point where they're going to be able to perform on a standardized test. Never. Yeah. Right. I was saying that last year, we, you know, everyone jumped to all the acronyms for the the short constructed response, the extended response and all the acronyms. I mean, they were everywhere. And and I remember um, talking to someone very wise that speaks in my life. Sarah Waller had kind of yes. created a, um, she's a consultant that works with us. Some, mm-hmm. and, you know, she, she had created kind of a progression of writing. Yes. And it's like it starts with oral language, but here we were jumping on the progression to the very end. Mm-hmm. But what about like oral language? And then what about having kids turn and talk and stop and jot and authentically. And it's what Gretchen was saying in your podcast about authentically writing. They'll get there, but we've got to give them opportunities. I think sometimes something like star can, can make us all a little bit nervous and we do things we wouldn't typically do or believe in, but we are just right. The panic sets in, but if we really stay true to what we believe that readers get better by reading and writers get better by writing, then I promise they'll do just fine by the time that test comes around. But but by giving them authentic experiences all throughout the year and sticking to what we know is true and meeting kids where they are. Um, you know, Lucy Calkins always says it's like a pottery class, like you're all taking the pottery class and like someone's yes. working on the base and 
someone's already working on a handle mine would be like a puddle of mud that I would still be trying to get started if I was in the pottery class but our writing and reading classes are no any class any yeah. content it's no different than that you know some teachers tell me some days it feels like playing whack-a-mole because there's so many levels yeah. and how do I get to everyone and how do I meet the needs of all these kids they're so diverse right well with workshop model you analyze that data and you put them in groups of all different kinds and you confer with kids and you get to know them and it's like that one percent better you meet with kids day in and day out and you're going to be hitting that one percent better every day yes oh my gosh well I uh, typically love to wrap these up by saying like okay what does this mean like what's our action item but like that is it and I as you were talking I was getting goosebumps because it is, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And I, I mean, being a teacher in the classroom, it's like, I feel for those, for our teachers, because it is, it's overwhelming with everything they have to do and remember and are, you know, given and all of that. But like, at the end of the day, what you said, readers get better by reading, writers get better by writing, and giving authentic opportunities to do that is what is going to capture those kids and then keep them engaged and then let us do our do our thing day by day, 1% by 1%. And then we'll see their success and their joy and improvement and all of the things. Yeah, it all comes together. Yeah. We just sometimes complicate things. It doesn't have to be complicated. No. Right. Well, I feel like if, if we could all just be in the classroom and do our thing, it'd be a lot less complicated. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I love it. Thank you, Amy. I, Thank you. This was this great. Was, yes, it was amazing. I so appreciate your time and information and I cannot, I cannot wait to do it again or at minimum, just come hang out with you. Let's do it. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. I love it. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Teachers Are Leaders. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. We are, you know, wherever you find your podcast. And if you're looking for us outside of the podcast world, we are on Twitter at WarrenINPD. And our website is WarrenINPD.com. Hope to see you soon. Thanks.